Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Apologies if it's a few hours late. Just had, uh, you know, I've got another special uh, guest, special co-host coming on, and he just wasn't available because he was out there busy doing some work in the gardens and greens of the Golfing Society of Sydney. It's the Golfing Greenkeeper joins me as the uh, this week's special co-host. Let's bring Steve in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. All of the great stuff that you've been doing to help this podcast keep in the ears of listeners all around Australia, but all around the world. Uh, keep doing that, the liking, the sharing, the subscribing, because it really does help this podcast stick into the ears of many people around the world as we share our love of golf and your love of golf. That's what this is all about. Let's uh, bring Stevie, the Golfing Greenkeeper, and he's one of my special, special Golfing Greenkeeper podcast extraordinary and their friends from Sydney. Let's bring him in. Steve Smith, the Golfing Greenkeeper, special comment, special co-host. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's not our first rodeo on a podcast together. How are you, mate? G'day, Roscoe. I am very well, thank you, mate. Thank you very much for having me on the My Love of Gold podcast. It has been a little while and not our first. It's, uh, it's great to be back, mate. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, we've done a bit of work together. You know, we were both, uh, I think we both shared a first barn boogle experiences together we were yes. down there at the same time so we sort of looped back and talked about all the things that we learned from uh, our wonderful time at barn boogle and uh, if you want to check that out you can i think that interview is on steve's platform if you're a golfing greenkeeper fan or if you're a model yes. golf fan doesn't matter who you're a fan of um those that interviews over there uh, we've done some other stuff but we bump into each other we see each other whenever you're in melbourne which is a lot these days it seems yep. you always, <laughs> you always uh give me the absolute pleasure of your company you come up and visit me you take time out of your day you bring last last week you brought your, your kids up it was great to see yeah you, it was uh, it's great to see out you walking with the little ones oh, keeping them keeping keeping them pleasant and quiet <laughs> they were having a bit of a camp and it was freezing in melbourne but uh, nice time for a walk i do enjoy that sort of weather so it was uh, it was nice to stick my head in mate and say day as i do when i'm down all right leave the melbourne weather i alone all right yeah okay let's not pick on that melbourne well we've got weather. melbourne weather in sydney at the moment it's freezing and wet <laughs> exactly right mate <laughs> hey um no but on a serious note it was great to see you uh bump in and um it was great to see young carter because you know for those that know you and have followed your journey and know you personally you know know that young carter he's what 12 months old now how old is it how old yeah is 10 months old 10 not months quite old. one but nearly there you know and you've had him in and out of hospital and um you know, he, he looked magnificent. You know, like I can't get the picture of the young fella's smiling face out of my eyes. He was just a beautiful little boy and it was just so good to see him after, you know, knowing that you've been, you know, you've been through yes. the wars, but he in particular has been through the wars and uh, it was great to see him. So thanks for bringing no, the thank young you, mate. fella up. And, um, and uh, what's the young lady's name? Savannah. Savannah, Savannah our, our Savannah. nearly three-year-old. She's, uh, yeah, she, yeah. She, no, just, great. she just slept. She was also a dream. She, she just slept <laughs> in. Wasn't, wasn't taken back by Melbourne's biggest golf shop at all. Just slept through the no. whole, whole experience. And I wanted to show it too. That was part of the point of the, of the walk was to take her to the golf shop <laughs> and see the golf store. So that because she, she sees it on TV now, I've got her into it. She's like, oh, golf, great shot. And she'll start clapping when she sees it. And I was like, let's go to the golf shop. And then she fell asleep and she stayed asleep the whole trip, the whole walk. It was, it was sensationally funny. Now, Steve, that was great. It's thank you very much for uh, jumping into our you know sort of revolving door as co-host uh, now, and I'm not sure how long we'll keep a revolving door of co-host going. But while there's some golf to talk about, you know, there's plenty of people who seem like they want to talk about it. Uh, I had to negotiate very hard with your um, upper end management to get you on, you know. Um, <laughs> So what that really means is I texted you last night at about five thirty, six o'clock. Saying, "What are you doing, mate? You know, can you give us a hand here?" And uh, you know, you nah. funnily, funnily enough, you were actually busy and busy this morning, <laughs> but you've actually mate carved some time out of your day. Oh, look, always. Always carved a bit of time out, mate. Happy to do so. So thank you very much for having me on. Mate. It's uh, it's good to, to to share in the podcast world, mate. You are the guru, uh, the one that got me in, into this side of the world. So uh, mate, happy to uh, happy to be part of it, involved wherever I can. Mate, and I'm not sure. We'll get a photo. We'll obviously put the uh, post out in the social posts. Um, but you know what I love about you, Stevie, is you come in character. You don't just come as the podcast. Yeah, you know, there's none of this <laughs> fancy, you know, marketing hoodie stuff for you, mate. You come. You are like the Steve Irwin of uh, Green. Oh, right. you, you dre you, look, You've got, <laughs> look. I got. That, this, you, I've come straight from the lawns. That's what I've been doing this morning. Straight from the lawns. You've got your John Deere hat on. Your your gardening greens on. You are the ultimate professional. <laughs> turning up in character. Anyway, enough of uh, you and I chit chatting. We're going to talk about a couple of things that you've been up to recently because you've put out some uh, great podcast episode uh, yourself. There's some a whole heap of stuff um, that you do, which is great. 
and gives people who love golf uh, another layer of information, you know, because it's always yep. easier to talk about this tour stuff. You know, you, you see it on TV, you see it on KO, wherever you watch, it's all one and, fun, one and good and, and great. But, um, you know, if you want and appreciate your golf and you want to get another level of information, well, you provide that, mate. And um, so we'll talk about some of the stuff you're doing. You might help me talk about cool. uh, uh, Valderrama. You've done a little bit of research there. And um, yep. we'll just have a chat. Now, We'll uh, just catch up, mate. Yes. What I, what I do want to do is um, just recap some of the the results from last week because this show that we do, when I'm not sure. doing interviews, we talk about some of the results and uh, we've got this huge teepster um, group that yes. just hang on to every word of what we say. Not really. Um, so we'll talk about the teepster reviews at three. Oof. Threw a few people for a loop last week. There wasn't a lot of movement, but uh, a few people got dudded by. Certain I don't golf. doubt it. Well, <laughs> I there, don't there, doubt it. There's one particular golfer that dudded about 20% of the teeps, the population in our little teeps group, and we'll talk about him in a sec. But um, there's some golf to talk about last week, and some golf coming up this week. Let's dive in to talk about that, and um, we'll keep going, eh? Let's go, mate. Okay, let's talk about the PGA Tour event last week. We had the Travellers. Um, Travellers was won by Keegan Bradley. Now, Keegan Bradley, he was, I guess, a hometown hero of of sorts. He's from that part of the world, so he had a lot of support. I think the Travellers sort of delivered an event that uh, had us captivated for a while because, you know, there were some of the big players. Obviously, it was a, um elevated event, so there's $20 million on, on prize money on offer. So, you know, we had a lot of the big names. And... Again, you know, some of the names that we expect to perform at the top level performed at the top level. I don't think many people picked Keegan Bradley in our teepster, but um, the hometown boy did shine through. He held it together on the last day. Uh, had a couple of squiggly moments coming, I think maybe 15, 16. He, he maybe dumped one in the water, had a couple of bogeys, but held it together. He had a couple of sh- few shot lead and uh, at 23 under uh, got the job done. Well done, Keegan. Um, it's always great to see uh, Keegan up there winning. He's a, he's a character that sort of polarises of a few of the fans you know some people love him some people sort of don't enjoy his quirky ways uh he's been on the tour for a long time and uh you know he's a proven winner so 37 years of age it's good to see you know someone at that upper end outside of the young people's brackets winning i like that uh but the but the one that uh stuck out to those of us that you know follow golf social media follow some of that sort of deep level of the artisan type of level of golf uh people um zach blair stood out as he had he went on a heater on the last day on the back nine of the last day he had eight under final round he was always up there in the in the um the figurings through the tournament uh he finished 20 under finished second as that player's coming playing this year after taking a year out on a medical exemption so he's back he's self-noted as not the longest hitter on tour you know he's not He's not a 340-yard bomber like you saw some of these other guys. But do you know much about Zach Blair, Stevie? Uh, mate, not a great deal. But to see that score, I mean, the last day it looked like, you know, we were chatting before, but the last day it looked like they they really sort of tough tightened things up a little bit, super low scores leading into uh, the final round to get down towards the 20s. But um, to have an eight under on the final round, I mean, that's astronomical. Yeah. Absolutely sensational golf. Yeah, it was, it was great. Zach Blair... Uh, bought a tree farm in Aiken, in, um, which is not far out of Augusta. So he bought a tree, tree farm yep. and he spent the last several years turning uh, this tree farm, this old pine tree tree farm, into a uh, golf course. So, and the golf It's course a pretty is called, awesome site. Yeah. I've seen some some images of the course being built over this period and, and an interesting time to start building a golf course, obviously, around the COVID period and and uh, and post, but uh, pretty impressive project yeah. to uh, to watch and see unfold. And, and the way that it sort of got going was quite interesting as well. Very different to what we're normally used to hearing, certainly over in the States. So you got Tom Doak uh, and a few others involved and, um, you know, it looks magnificent. So I just, yeah, it's a great story that, uh, you know, he can turn his passion into, um, you know, a golf course. He continues to do this, you know, the Buck Club is his, his thing. and That's the one. Yeah, the Buck Club. That's right. He's got this cool following, a yeah. social media, a bit of a cult following. And that kind of was the, the precursor to the tree farm actually getting going was he built this this cult around this idea. And then I think he was going up and down the coast and, and across the states looking for sites that would be appropriate, I think was, was kind of how I, I sort of been following a little bit. And um, yeah, really cool to, to watch and follow and, and a most unusual story, but I think it's got a real good under uh, undercurrent behind it. Um, let's continue on with talking about some of those results. Scotty Scheffler, again, you know, we keep talking about Scotty Scheffler. He, he is just banking money week after week in these big events. He's probably, we're probably getting to the point now where, you know, he can finish T2, 3, 4 or 5 and keep doing that. But 
he's just not he'd be I'm sure he'd be expecting to get the job done and convert these high finishes into wins he's getting so close anyway I'm don't know if it was his putter last week or whatever but you know it's who cares you know, he's like are we getting used to expecting Scotty to be battling for the win all the time because he is so consistent he's so I find his game he just he just he's so consistent he kind of almost flies under the radar you don't often often see him have that one big like an eight under or something to finish to come home with a freight train he's always at the top you know, kind of battling it out. He's just always there. He's I mean, that's why he's so good, right? That's why he's at the top of the tree. He's de- he's definitely one of the best ball strikers. Yeah, he, he finished with five under. I'm, I'm, as I said, I don't know much about his putting. I didn't see those stats. And I saw a little bit of the golf. You know, I was quite interested to see the, the course that's on one of the simulators uh, at the Big Swing Golf Venue. So, yeah, it was interesting to see. And there's a little bit of water in play. And, uh, you know, it was a bit softer early on. So, yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was okay. And... Um, we saw who else did we say we saw Patrick Cantlay up there. He gave the leader a scare for a little while, but um, Rory was and of course Rory's final round. I mean, we weren't sure whether he's going to, you know, how he's going to go after after uh, the Open and, and coming coming in at uh, as as second to finish. But he he really sort of showed in that final round that he might not have been at the top for the for the first few rounds, but then the six under to finish again, come home like a freight train. He's 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 sort of really. Hanging around, I think. I think, in my opinion, the, the last couple of years of everything has weighed down so much on him, and and really, it's something that probably, in hindsight, he'd probably, you know, for his golf, if he wasn't so heavily involved with all the commentary and things, he probably would have played better golf. It's good to see that move away now in the background, and Rory just starting to stick yeah. to his guns again and and play golf. I think there's really only one tournament that uh, Rory has his sights set on. Yeah, uh, this year, um, and that's the the Open at Hoylake where he's won previously. Um, Building think, nicely, you uh, might say. I think he's firming as a favourite. Is that the pressure that he needs? Is that the pressure that he wants? Um, who knows what will happen for Rory down there? But you know, if there's any tournament that he's going to want to be get set for, it's that. So he's he's firming nicely. Uh, we had a couple of Aussies that were poking poking their heads in and out of the uh, you know the page of the leaderboard that gets shown up on the TV, and that was Min Woo and uh, Lucas Herbert. Uh, ultimately, uh, I think they were paired together in the third round. Um, I don't I don't know how well they know each other. I think they know each other pretty well, obviously, but. Um, you know, they haven't played that much because, you know, Herbie's been the PGA Tour in the last couple of years, I Minwoo mean, mainly on the DP World Tour, but now they're sort of poking their heads up together. So we'll probably see those two boys uh, paired more often together, you know, as the year progresses. I'm not sure how far Minwoo is off securing his PGA Tour card for last for next year, sorry, if he already has. I'm not sure. Um, these top finishes in the, in the US Open and, and here, it's gotta, he's got to be... So good to watch. He's got to have that pretty much shored up by now, if, if I'm wrong on that. Tell me, but uh, you know what I know is now that he's a temporary member, and America's realizing that he is such a character, you know they are really focusing on that. They had him uh, Ian Baker Finch interviewing him on course, you know, with the um, the earbuds in the yeah, with ball. the yep, yep, and uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was. He is a character. He's a great Aussie character. He's not. He's not too far out there, but he's he's just himself. I mean, he's so good to watch in golf. He carries himself well around the golf course. He interviews fantastically. He's just he's just a knock. He comes across as such a knockabout Aussie guy. I don't know him, but he just seems so genuine. And I think it's it's sort of converting to to the people watching the audience. Certainly in the states, he's just this. He's just an Aussie character. Uh, you don't know him anymore. Oh. No, oh. no, I don't know, Minwoo, mate. Did, 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 no. did, did I ever mention uh, about 87 times that I've actually played golf with Minwoo <laughs> in a pro-am? So it's no one, Stop. There's it's, it's no wonder that he's gone on to be a world winner because anyone that plays with, with the my love of golf team in a pro-am goes on to win. Um, uh, very no, good. Look, he was a, we look uh, forward to him winning, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, he will win. When that day comes, he and was, he will. He was a 19-year-old young kid, and he had everything that you see now. He had all of that in his arsenal, you know, personality-wise. So certainly he had the game when he was, you know, we've seen that, you know, when he was taking on Jason Day as a 15-year-old, you know, trying to hit stingers and drives and all that sort of thing and winding him up. He had that personality in his bag since he was a young fellow. That's how he's built. But um, just to see him just get out there, I think his last drive on the 18th hole of the final hole of the tournament was like 347 yards. Isn't he like this sneaky long character that, like, we know he's a big hitter, but but size-wise, you look at him, you know, he he's not a, a heavily built guy, but, geez, he just pumps them. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, it's good to see Minwoo. Uh, he was at minus 17. Herbie was T15 at uh, 15 under. 
And, uh, and Adam, Adam, Adam also sort of popped in and uh, in and around the uh, top end of the leaderboard in the first few days. His one over on the final round sort of didn't hold him in, in the greatest stead, obviously finishing at 14 under. But again, Adam's still performing uh, as Australian uh, lead tour player, performing very, very well week in, week out. Missed a couple of, missed a couple of putts that I did see with the um, that uh, the, the mallet uh, sort of... We ha- I, I've got to say, I hate to say it when, when you see that in, in, in Adam's game because it's kind of one of those things that I, I know I talked with friends about that, that watch the golf as well. And they, they you know, we kind of think that's that's sort of the one part of Scotty's game that's, that's you wish was always better because he, he's such a good ball striker. And then when you see him miss a couple of putts, it's kind of one of those things that I find that falls into that the, you go, ah, oh, damn, Scotty, you know, we wish. Uh, you know what I think? I think I don't know if I'm wrong. No, you're, but not, I mean, it's a, yeah. you're not wrong. On, but I think Adam's putting has dramatically improved. You know, the stats show that his putting has improved and, you know, this new putter that he uses, the Mez from Lab or whatever it is, um, has, has helped him along the way. He loves that putter. Sure. But I think what happens is when he misses one and it wasn't a pretty one, that's what gets shown and people, you know, yeah, like us. Yeah, for sure. And we hold on to the, the, yeah, the history so, of it all and we just, yeah. Anyway. It's we're we're a bit harsh sometimes. I think Adam leading into the Open as well, um, you know, I'd be, I don't know what, what odds Adam's at, but, uh, you know, that's, it's, cool. it's going to be, it's, you know what, when we get to that mark in the year, when that's, when, uh, when Hoylake's on, it's going to be really interesting to see who's peaking around that time and, and who that, that course is really going to suit. I think it's going to be a really good, a really, really good event to watch this year. Now, uh, let me get the tapes of results. Well, we've just talked about the travels and the travels is all about, uh, our tapes of results. Let me, I was going to, just going to throw someone under the bus there. Just let me get the uh, tips of results <laughs> up here for us, Steve. Let me get them up. Let me get them up. All right, let's take a look at these tips of results. As I said, there was someone that I was going to throw under the bus, and about 20% of us all had our money on. Can you guess who we would have had our tips to picks on? Now, Steve, just as for you, the benefit of you, it's a one and done. So once you pick this player or your player once in the, the tournament, you cannot pick them for the rest of the year. So there's a whole heap of strategy. Oh, there's a whole heap wow. of strategy around who you pick. And you know, I the, bet those of us at those of you know. <laughs> Those of us, I'm in the third position. So those of us at the top end have used our big <laughs> guns very strategically. And, right. and you have to then pick strategically for these other, obviously now elevated events because they're obviously huge money events. So it's like a major. So you want to leave some players around. And uh, some of us, about 20% of us picked someone who we thought was in form and he went on and missed the cut. Do you know who that was? Have a guess who that might have been. Who would have? Oh, I can't even think of the big names where that missed the cut. No, well, mate. Let me, just, me. let me just tell you, it was Tommy Fleetwood. Now, Tommy, Fleetwood, oh. Tommy, Tommy Boy Fleetwood. Um, wow. Yeah, he let us down. Um, he let, wow. He, he let that would have knocked a few, a few of you he guys did. around. Uh, Headrock three, Morgie Hoops, Docker, Shawnee D, um, Tish. Uh, I have your prize from one of the prize giveaways. I have it here. It'll get to you. I've got the the prize for you, Tish. Uh, it. Let us all down. Row Adams, myself, Michael Lloyd, last year's winner of the thing. Uh, if he's not picking the right tippers, you know, something's going wrong. Uh, Lota, a big Lota the Live uh, fan. We all picked Tommy. Golf is an attitude. Blakey, who's over there at Live at the moment in Valderrama. Uh, but who is at the top? Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, conversely, who would have picked Bradley to win? Anyone? No one. That's right. <laughs> I mean, Tommy Fleetwood might have let you guys down, but I can't imagine anyone had picked Bradley to win. No, nah, but plenty of people, uh, well, one person, um, Lingy, picked Scotty Scheffler, so he picked up eight hundred and forty-one thousand six hundred sixty-six. He still had Scheffler in the bag to use. That's interesting. Had, yeah, that's an interesting one. Exactly right. Uh, Patrick Well Cantlay, played. Patrick Cantlay was, was picked once. Rory was picked once. Corey Connors featured in a few people's picks. Um who else? Uh, Min Wu was up there in a couple. Ricky was a very popular pick uh, based on his form of availability into the tournament. So Ricky was a popular pick. Um, yeah, anyway, and then a mixed bag. But the Teepster results for those that love to follow the Teepster. Uh, golf is an attitude, which is Blakey, uh, Australia's very own Live Golf uh, tournament referee. That's it. Featured heavily in a Brooks Kepka decision at uh, Live Golf Singapore. You saw him all over the TV. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, he's first at $17 million. The golfing tattooist, uh, which is one of Melbourne's and Australia and the world's leading tattoo artists who just absolutely loves golf, uh, Dan Maudsley, at $16.1 million. And wow. uh, this podcasting chump from uh, top end of the morning to peninsula at 16 million myself and another fellow from the same suburb as I live in um, 
Kaltiamanis. Uh, He's at 15.6. So, you know, it's getting to the point in the season. Good luck to the rest of you. I'm going for um, – if I can finish top three. I'm, I'm doing a Scotty Scheffler. If I can sort of finish top three, I'll be happy. All right? I'll, Tightening up. It's go. good to watch. Uh, anyway, it offers us a bit of fun. Now, uh, we had another event last week. Uh, we talked about that last week uh, at Baltus Roll, one of those great Golden Age architecture courses. It was a women's PGA, so one of their uh, really good, strong majors. Uh, Ruoning Yin, young 20-year-old golfer from China, won. She held wow. everything together to... Um, you know, keep hold of her lead, and uh, she defeated Yuka Sasso and Ling Ziyu. And uh, by all accounts, it was a wonderful. I saw a little bit of it. You know, can't watch everything. I saw what I wanted yep. to see was I wanted to see Baltus Roll stand out as a beautiful golf course. It's an incredible golf. facility. And, yeah. And what it showed me was the best ball strikers uh, who executed their shot making absolutely spot on. We're always going to be up there at the end of the tournament. And um, let me just... how did our Aussie girls finish? I yeah. didn't see the results of this one, mate. As you know, I was travelling. Well, we had myself. Uh, Min Minji was obviously, you know, and uh, going to be our hope for this one. She was tipped quite wildly by a number of the uh, tipsters out there in the golfing tipping world. But um, leading Aussie on the scorecard was. Uh, by the way, someone else that I've played with in a pro-am along the journey. Oh, no. <laughs> Grace was, Kim? It was Grace Kim. It was Grace yeah. Kim. From uh, Avalon here in Sydney. She she is a wonderful Absolute young, ripper. Another, golfer, ball striker. Another great golfer, uh, but another great young human. She's supported by um, friends of mine at Play Today. So Clive Mayhew is a big supporter of Grace and also Caddy Snacks. Um, by the way, yep. I, I got it. Caddy Snacks is a big supporter of Grace. Uh, they had this uh, two-for-one or half-price offer on the Mocha Caddy Snacks Bar. Now, the Mocha, the, the Mocha Caddy Snacks Bar, I, only, I bought four boxes of them, Steve. Four boxes. Okay. There's all these other, there's all these other flavors. You should get some. You should uh, get I've them. not looked into the cat. I've heard about them, obviously, but I've not looked into them. Uh, this is not pay- in, I, into I, buying. I paid for them, so this is not sponsored. Yeah, but yeah, are, yeah, yeah. No, no. We are a fan of Caddy Snacks. Yeah. And they're a fan of Grace Kim, obviously. Uh, the Mocha has got Byron Bay coffee in. Oh, so Sensei, that sounds good already. If you're a caffeine addict like me, um, and you can stuff a all natural <laughs> bar in your gob and get a, nice and work. Get a caffeine hit, and it's half price as they were the other week. I don't know. If, I think it was just so for the win, 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 win. Is that right? <laughs> you, you might think I had, had a couple of mocha uh, caddy snacks bars down my gob already, but no, I haven't. Um, I haven't. I'm actually caffeine free today. That's Roscoe's pinging on caffeine. Well, oh, no, we're not. Okay, no, we're not. it's uh, lively yeah, on fire. Minji finished uh, top twenty. Uh, the other one that. Uh, well, it's not a surprise because he is an absolute player. It was Gabby Ruffles, uh, Gabriella Ruffles, uh-huh. uh, T24, plus one on the last round, finished even. But, um, you know. By the time you get to round four, that course is going to really test you. Yeah. It clearly did. Uh, who else? So, yeah, Rioning Ying Yin, that's a name we'll hear more of at 20 years old. You know, she's she's up there with, um, she could she could win a, quite a few majors uh, the way that she's playing the way that she's demonstrated her golfing ability at that young age. Uh, good to see um, a, a golfer that I love following because she's married to a good Scotsman uh, and an Nordqvist uh, sort of backdoor, backdoor to top three uh, with a minus six, six under on the last day to finish six under. Um, good on wow. you. Wow. And a, a European uh, Solheim Cup uh, legend. And, uh, but I believe, I, I haven't played golf with Anna Nordqvist, Steve. Uh, but, oh, but sorry, I, I was surpri- I'm surprised to hear that, Ross. No, I, do, I, do, I do like following her because her, her, her husband, who is also a caddy, um, is, a, is a great Scotsman and friend of a friend of mine. So uh, I love following uh, Anna Nordqvist. Um, okay, what else? What was next? Uh, we had um, uh, another tournament that I did spend a little bit of time watching was the uh, DP World Tour. Uh, German event uh, at uh, Golf Club München Eichenride. Uh, Tristan. Jeez, your pronunciations are impeccable, Ross. Uh, well, German is my second second language. Oh, uh, Steve. Man of many talents and, and accents. Uh, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a BMW International at Golf Club München Eichenride. There you go. Uh, Tristan Lawrence uh, held it together. Now this this was interesting to watch because the leaderboard was flip flopping in the final nine holes like a it was. I don't know what it was pinging around like, Steve, but it was flip-flopping. And Trist- Tristan Lawrence... <laughs> Android on a Commodore 64. Tristan, tr- it was like, it was like uh, 
pong, you know, ping pong, ping. That's uh, it. Bing, yeah. Tristan Lawrence was leading, then he was off the page, and he was back up the page, and then and then all of a sudden, Eust Leuten, who was a previous winner, six-time winner on the European Tour, uh, you would have thought that he had the experience and the compa- and the composure to keep it together, but he just did not get it done. Uh, suffered from a little bit of a whiffy chipping, um, I believe his oh. chipping technique. He is under development. He's been cross-handed. So when I sort of tuned in, the commentators were saying, oh, he's not going with the cross-handed chipping. And then they sort of oh, started no. to hypothesize around, well, it's a bit longer than he needs to for the cross-handed and da-da-da-da-da. Mm. Um, anyway, he finished plus two. Tristan Lawrence from South Africa finished minus three to finish at 13 under and get the job done. Wow. Um, but the young fellow, uh, Hillier from New Zealand, was uh, T3. And the other the other specialist, the National Open specialist, Adrian Moronk, who's a big, who we're a big fan of here, oh, Steve. Um, the big unit. The big the big pole. Uh, he's a fantastic fellow. Uh, four under, finished minus 11. Anyway, there's a whole heap of other players there. No one in Australia did any good. We had two Aussies in the field uh, who missed the cut. Um, Elvis Smiley and Blake Windred. Okay. Uh, so... They back up this week at the British Masters. Well, definitely Blake Windred backs up at the uh, British Masters this week. And also Dave Michaluzzi is in the British Masters this week. Very good. British Masters this week at the Belfry. If you've played in the simulator, you've probably played the uh, the Belfry. It's the Brabazon course. Yeah, it's in Birmingham. Uh, Tholbjorn Olsen is the defending champion. Um, I don't know much more about the British Masters. You know, it's it's... It's reasonably well patronised by the DP World Tour guys. So hopefully, um, a lot of the English fellas are, are playing the British Masters. We got in the field all the DP World Tour players. It's hard. I'm finding it. They'll all be there. I'm finding it hard to my late night enthusiasm to stay up late and watch the uh, the DP World Tour at the moment has waned. And I never thought a couple of years ago that I'd be talking like that. Steve, but um, it is. Uh, we've got Dave Michaluzzi in the field. Who else have we got? Uh, uh, plenty of Scots in the field. We, we usually talk about a top Scott. Uh, oh, yes. Blake Windred. Yeah, there we go. Top Scott. I don't know who, who, who's top Scott, Steve. You and Ferguson. There you go. I'm going to put you and Ferguson as my top Scott. You Good know one. Much about, no, nice. You know much about you and Ferguson? I don't. I know the name, no, but I don't. Yeah. I see. I, I don't. Yeah, you talk about that late night thing, mate. I'm an early starter. Late nights don't work with me, so I don't get to see a lot of the DP. Well, I don't know much about you and Ferguson either, but uh, I find it hard to pick Scotland's supposedly most successful golfer at the moment, Bobby McIntyre, who's just in a bit of a form sort of slump. He's ah, form slump, probably the hard harsh way to describe Bobby McIntyre. Everyone knows that we love talking about Bobby McIntyre, but he's just not getting those results that we probably have expected from Bobby and wanted from Bobby uh, because he's a character um, out there on tour. Now, Steve, let's uh, talk about what you've been up to. Busy, mate, oh, yes. In amongst, uh, as you as you touched on earlier, our, our young fella Carter and, and everything that we've been going through with him. But, mate, we're, look, I've been doing a bit of travelling lately and, and the wife's been doing a bit of work travelling as well. That's why we've been in Melbourne. And um, But recently done some, some podcast work with some interviews with a couple of superintendents around, around the country. And uh, one of those being Rowan Damon, superintendent at the Grange, on the on the back of of the Live Adelaide uh, spectacle that you and I were both at uh, back in I think it was April. It's funny how time flies. So I've done a couple of interviews and and bit, a bit of travel. They had the national, uh, the Australian Sports Turf Managers Association conference was on Adelaide just last week, which I was travelling for as well. So down there doing a little bit. So there's been a bit on in the last couple of months. Been been busy man all the way all around the place. Now that was a great interview with Damon. You know, we got to learn the background of his journey to becoming a superintendent, um, which yep. is always intriguing. I love people's career sort of progressions and finding out a little bit more about who they are and, and how they got there. Um, yeah, he certainly put the work in and, and put himself out there. He moved around to, to give himself the opportunities to get experience and then had the opportunity to come back to a course that he'd previously worked at. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was more so interesting having been there on the ground for the tournament, obviously, as you said, live Adelaide, to hear him, uh, discuss what it was like working with a big tournament um, team and what it was like getting the course set up and what they had to do. Uh, yeah. You know, the rough, uh, you know, how, it was... how penally wanted to set it up. You know, what, what was your outtakes from, um, you know, him talking about setting up the, the course? Look, the yeah, look, it was it was a really good conversation. Rowan's a, a great guy and, and it was my first time meeting him, of course, as on the podcast, as a lot of these uh, conversations are. And and it was it was nice to, to really get that insight, which is what I wanted to be able to bring to the audience and, and people out there who, who might have heard about 
about a live event or seen it, it's the first time it's been in Australia. So to get an understanding and insight of what it takes for something a little bit different, um, there were some things out there that, that I know you and I had seen and anyone who's, who's even heard about it where they, they have speakers and music around the place and all the golf course on the tees around the course and lots of infrastructure. Um, first time here, big, uh, big time event. Lots of people were wanting to see how it was just going to go and look insights that, that Rowan was able to deliver for me. The interesting part was, yeah, growing the rough and, and in Adelaide, a place like Adelaide in, in South Australia, it's, it's the driest state in Australia. So as Rowan said, it's not something that's easy for them to do is to grow rough. They don't often focus on that. So to get a little bit of, uh, I suppose, a bit of protection for the golf course, as Rowan said, it wasn't overly long, like a lot of the, uh, the courses that they'll play on. But some of that was to bring rough up, which we see in tournaments is standard practice. But it was a bit more hard work for them to do, only having five months to prep as well from when they were notified that they were going to have it. So that's a short time frame. So a couple of things that, that were challenging to, to do in a, to- a short time frame was uh, that but they were able to deliver and then in the end Rowan kind of had a, as he put it was a, a bit of a, a say on himself as to how to set the course up for a tournament so set this place up as you would set up a tournament and they've hosted a couple of the uh, the women's Australian Opens there before so they've got a bit of an idea of how they can do that but not having done a big men's tournament and this is a group of traveling professionals that that are always playing every event and we've never, in my opinion, we've not seen the likes of in Australia for a very, very long time. So it was a bit of a challenge to try and work out just what that was going to do to a very, very strong men's field. Um, and I think they did it great. So long rough uh, and cooch rough, which is what uh, the Grange is, is mostly made up on around the golf course, is cooch grass. Um, and to get when that's long, cooch the leaf on a cooch on a cooch leaf blade on the grass itself is quite soft when it's long so what you find is different to a lot of cool season grasses where the ball tends to sit up a little bit more when cooch is very long and we're talking 50 mil i think thereabouts uh roughly it the ball sits really deep and you often lose it. This is not super duper long grass, but the ball sits right down. So when the players and the professionals are playing shots out of dry cooch grass, rough, it's quite long. There's a lot of grass between the ball and the club face. So they lose nearly every bit of control of spin and lots of balls release a great deal out of that when they're trying to hit the green. So the course prep was challenging for them. They did a great job in my opinion. And you go from the long rough, you go into the fairways and, and the fairways were cut at eight millimeters. Now, when I was an apprentice, greens were on my regional golf course that I worked on in the Blue Mountains were cut at five. So we got fairways that are extremely short, running out very, very well. And you got long rough. Greens were immaculate. <clears throat> Pardon me. It was, um, really interesting, exciting to to get that insight for everyone to to see what was involved in setting up for a, a different style tournament. And then you got the infrastructure. I mean, Rowan was telling me they had something like 180 to 200 semi-trailers worth of infrastructure to bring in to build the stands and everything that was involved. I mean, that's just astonishing. It was quite uh, quite incredible to listen to and to chat about. So yeah, really good insight from Rowan. Oh, well, if you want to get the full uh, download of that, of course, go and check out Steve's uh, podcast, The Golfing Greenkeeper, one of Australia's top ranking podcasts. In amongst a host of uh, high-performing international podcasts, Steve's podcast always popping his head up near the top end of the, the uh, tree there. Uh, now, you're at ASMA. ASMA, yes. A-S-T-M-A, Australian Sports Turf Managers, Managers Association. Association. What happens yep. at a uh, ASMA conference, Steve? Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an annual event, obviously, where the industry catches up they, they have a big awards uh, dinner evening an annual like a gala evening where uh, there's a, a number of awards handed out um, that are big in the turf industry so uh, excellence in golf course management um, a couple of um, awards for for different levels of apprentices in in sports fields so um, football ovals and the like and then also in golf courses so apprentice of the year um, they get those awarded as well and and also um, which is the biggest one that I think and, and held in the highest of esteem is the the sustainability award which is named after Claude Crockford, who was a superintendent at Royal Melbourne for about 40-odd years um, back in the day. So Claude Crockford Award is uh, is a very um, well-regarded uh, award that gets put out for sustainability and work on golf courses. So a number of awards get get handed out, and um, they're national awards, national event. There's lots of education um, seminars, international speakers. We learn about, um, you know, leading-edge stuff, so challenges in greenkeeping, um, 
in terms of turf management, disease control, you know, right on the cusp of what's happening. We had a couple of international speakers come over from the US to share their knowledge and experience on all things power control, uh, which is a very big challenge now in Australia that we're seeing becoming more and more difficult more every year that passes by. And uh, in the States and in Europe, that's something that they've been dealing with for longer than we have. And I think that comes down to uh, probably expectations and, and how the, the elite level golf courses are maintaining their surfaces. Um, so there's lots of, of learning um, and also peer peer catch-up. So lots of uh, everyone gets to, to meet each other again, have lots of social conversations, talk about what they've been doing and challenges that they've been up to. And we hear about some of those speakers from within the industry and uh, and hear what they've been doing on course as well in their facilities and the way that they maintain, manage, um, all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, it's a big event. It runs over uh, three to four days uh, with varying different things in, and they usually play at the host city, a, a high-level golf course, and the, the golf course that they played that was available to everyone was Royal Adelaide, so a lot of people got to see that for the first time. It's a, it's one of, I'm a fan, I'll fangirl over Royal Adelaide every day of the week. And uh, so, yeah, so lots of things there to, to be had. And, uh, and of course there's a trade show. So uh, you get the, the latest and greatest equipment on show um, to see what's coming out, cutting edges, you know, robotic mowers and things like that. These days that we're talking about a lot of electric equipment, um, latest chemicals and, and means of controls of different weeds and fungus, fungus control and, and insect and pests. So lots of things at, at an event. It's, it's held every year. Um, and travels around the country. Mate, I think, as I've said before, I always, you know, for you to keep shining uh, a light on the sports turf managers and the, you know, greenkeepers and superintendents that keep all of our golf courses in tip-top conditions, giving a wide variety of challenging uh, scenarios that the Australian climate continues to deliver to the Australian golf courses, uh, to, to really highlight the work that uh, that group of professionals in this golfing industry do is uh, very good because I, I think as members of, as a member of a golf club, uh, I certainly pay 100% respect to all of the guys um, that are at Peninsula Kingswood and, you know, I get the opportunity a couple of times a year, I make myself available to go down when they're, prepare, when they're prepping for uh, the sand belt, I go down and take some photos and, you know, just to really try and showcase some of the work that they do and, uh, you know, I love driving in there and it's almost like, I can't remember their names, but because um, we've got a few on the staff, but they all, you do. Me, they all give me a wave, whatever they're doing. They're all, it's, and it's such a, a great feeling. And I think if every member of a golf course paid a little bit more respect to the people that are responsible for turning out their golf courses, whether you're at a Sandbelt or a Sydney high-end course or a country course like where you cut, cut your teeth on it, and also my yep. brother, who's the greenkeeper of the family, yes. you know, at Cessnock or the Vintage or wherever, um, if they all got just a modicum more of respect and appreciation and understanding for what they do to get that golf course ready each day, each week, um, I think I think I think it'd be a better a better better vibe around the golf course. I don't like hearing you know when people complain about the bunkers and this that and the other. You know oh. they're, they're not going out there to make it bad. Um, it's, but there's yeah. a lot of work, Steve. There's a lot of work, and, and there and there is. It, it's it's an endless job, and, and quite often it's a thankless job. And and uh, like you said, one of my things is one of my goals is to to get that recognition out there. And it's not about you know people singing the praises from the rooftops, but it's on par with every other part of a golf facility. Yeah. And we, we all we all know the general managers. Often we all know the the professionals in the pro shop that help us out when we go there to turn up and play golf, or we've got questions to try and improve our game. Um, a, a key part of every golf course is the golf course itself. And I know that sounds funny, but that's often overlooked. And uh, and that's why I try to highlight that. And I think there's a lot to be learned as a golfer to um, to try and just help your game around there to, to question and understand what you're playing off and the bunkers you're playing out of and and those sorts of things. And that's what I try and highlight as well. So I think there's, uh, there's, there's bits and pieces in there that we can all learn from. Uh, two parts of agronomy that I want to talk about while we've got you here, Steve. Now, you just mentioned you had an expert there talking about POA, uh, yep. POA, POA annua. Um, I'm yep. not sure if there's any other strains of POA. Clearly, my turf knowledge isn't no. the best, uh, and that's why I'm talking about this. But you had an expert come out and talk about POA. Now, for as long as I've been a member of a golf course um, in recent years, last 20 years, you know, POA has always been discussed. You know, we've got to get the POA out of the grounds. We've got to get the POA, POA this, POA here, POA there. And, but then when you follow some of the golf tournaments that we follow and we talk about the west coast of the u.s and 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 you see other uh, greens of poa annua you know it's, it's, it's like it's the hero yeah, it's like it, it's it's fine i think it's well what, what's it, it, what's the go with power 
It, it, it's one of those funny things. In the shore version, its common name is winter grass. There are lots of different varieties of poa. It's it's a it's a, a species of grass. Um, but poa annua, as you rightly put it, is an annual annual uh, annual winter grass is the common name, and uh, it's so prolific. I mean, in in the world of weeds, in in turf. It is by far and away the number one, um, and because it's so prolific and it's a grass, it it can be maintained and managed as a surface. And and years ago, it was just that, and it still continues to be so. And, and it's it's one of those polarizing um, grass types that can be used on a surface. And I speak for for my experience in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney, um, the greens that that I maintained and the ones that I grew up maintaining uh, and learnt my trade on were majority power but they were power bent and, and in and around Sydney, you'll often hear that as a combination power bent. Um, it's quite challenging in a reasonably high rainfall area or high humidity area to rid your surfaces of power because whilst ever there's bits of moisture, those sorts of things, it can just hang on. Its ability to mitigate challenges and stresses is, is, Absolutely astonishing. And even talking to Dr. Jim Brosnan, who'd come over from the US to speak at the ASTMO conference, and I've spoken to him, you know, off the record and, and just casually, it's its strengths to hang on and its ability to, to, to adapt is so profound. And that's what makes it so difficult in the world of turf. And to add to that, its prolific seeding ability. So, you maintain it, you manage it, you're trying to kill it, then it can seed and those seeds basically uh, are like any genesis of anything. They, they continue to evolve and that evolution as it prolifically seeds and you'll get a couple of cycles in one season, um, give it the ability to adapt to chemical controls and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's so challenging to manage and we hear of stories in the States where uh, the, they've got to a point where there are no chemicals that can control power. If you want to, and if you choose to do so, they're at a point now where they have to strip the surfaces of grass, remove them, and then relay new grass as a means of control every five years. Wow. Uh, that's I find that staggeringly outrageous, but some people have that as a choice and, and that's what it's down to because there's no other way of doing it. You're going to have, you know, literally hundreds of people hand weeding fairways as the means of control. And it's quite staggering that there are places that will do that in, in the U S and other parts of the world. Um, we don't have that labor force here to do in Australia and, uh, and those challenges of it being resistant to a lot of the chemical controls here is starting to show, um, I was at a power forum in Melbourne last year and, and that was to talk about the challenges of controlling power. And like you said, lots of people say, we've got to keep it out. It, it's a bad thing. And and I tried that and I succumbed to the realization at my golf course that the climate wasn't akin to working against power. You had to work with it and that's life. You know, the Oakmonts of the world, the Pebble Beaches of the world, Cypress Points, they're all power greens. And lots of people don't realize that that's what it is. So is it bad or is it not bad? It's subjective. It's it's up to the individual. Does some people like to prefer to eat? And I put it down to food. You prefer to eat meat, or do you prefer to eat chicken, like beef or chicken? Do you prefer sweet or savoury? It nearly comes down to that type of thing as as far as turf surfaces go when it comes to power. Uh, well, I was going to label it as the cockroach of uh, grasses because uh, of its ability <laughs> just to keep going. It but, could um, it could probably withstand a nuclear blast, mate. Honestly, I, but I wouldn't I wouldn't turn up the pebble base. So I'm putting on these cock. No, no, anyway, um, <laughs> interesting. Uh, now you mentioned a term there, uh, seed. Now I picked up yep. on uh, Rory's press conference on the weekend when he's talked about playing in the afternoon and the greens being a little more difficult to putt on because he said as the grass started to seed, they got a little bit more. Um, less consistent. Yep, yep, How, yep. What, what does that mean? So literally, power will. You can. You probably could stand there. It's a bit like bamboo. You can probably stand there and watch it form seed heads. So um, putting on those sorts of surfaces as the day wears on, it's literally everything's growing. This is a, a bit of a, a thing that I want people to understand when they when they're playing golf out on golf courses is that they are growing spaces. Everything is living on a golf course. So as the day goes on, things are moving quite literally moving. So if you're playing in the afternoon, the grass blades are moving, they're growing, they're, they're, the power can start to produce seed. So over there in the US, it's summertime. 
So we're, we're in the depths of winter here in Australia. It's summertime over there. The power that's being watered to, to survive on the surfaces, to, to live through the heat, um, it's, it's growing and it's seeding time. You know, it's it's getting a flush of seed growth coming to the end of its life cycles um, and producing seed, and that's what that's what happens. So as it's literally growing the seeds to uh, to to in its growth to to then sets that seed out, it's sticking up just minutely in the surface, and that's what they'll tend to do. Power is a difficult one to control for for consistency and smoothness in a sense because it's it's quite a tufted grass, and and the way that it, it'll it'll sort of tend to stand a bit upright and that sort of stuff. So Rolling is very good for, for keeping smooth power surfaces along with bent. But power, unlike creeping bent grass by its name and, and a lot of the bent grasses we use uh, on putting surfaces, uh, they've been grown um, and bred to, to spread as more laterally as possible so that they're flatter in their growth, whereas power is, is quite a tufty, really tough, tufty grass, if, if that's the right way of saying it. So it'll literally start to grow up right uh one of the things you picked up on the mile of golf podcast from last week's episode is my question over you know we had bent grass greens we had i'm familiar with bent grass greens i'm familiar with bent grass collars but they had bent grass fairways and yeah. uh, and that sort of <laughs> oh wow I'm, I'm just not knowledgeable enough to know that if that is common or not common and you know you had some insights into that yeah look uh, bent grass fairways is is it's not common it's it's a very high level performance turf surface and it's basically going to deliver a, as elite a surface and as immaculate a surface to play off as you it's basically because you said bent grass is used on greens you were literally going to be playing off greens for fairways you can cut the, the bent grass is such a very small narrow leaf fine leaf turf it allows you to cut the, the grass shorter so your fairways you can cut it eight mil i talked about it as rowan damon with his cooch fairways and uh, for for the grains for live adelaide well they'll be doing similar things with bent grass but they'll look like a golf green mm. and the green the color green from a bent can be really really a beautiful rich green as well um you can get different slightly different variations for different different varieties of bent grass but but it'll be a, a just a consistently tight knit very fine small leaf surface as a cool season surface so cooch grass is a warm season but bent grass is a cool season surface, so not knowing a lot about where the travellers were, um, that, that region in America. It was in New Jersey, um, so that north um, east. So, there, okay, you're getting to the colder, cool, cooler parts of, of the US. Um, so it'll be able to survive. It requires a lot more water, generally speaking, and there's a lot more challenges in maintaining such a large space of bent grass. In Australia, we have Royal Canberra is the one I can think of off the top of my head, where is, uh, it was bent grass fairways. Very challenging for the club. And as a result, they're, they're looking at different possibility uh, for different grass varieties potentially in the future. But I tell you, when you see bent grass fairways for the first time, it's like staring at a golf green for a whole golf course. It's quite staggering as a greenkeeper to consider that people are maintaining and golf clubs are maintaining bent grass as fairways. That would be a challenge and then some. But what it delivers is something, you know, it's like a Rolls Royce, if that's the right way of saying it. Uh, well, it certainly looked very good at um, on the travellers at TPC River Highlands. It, it did look amazing. So um, that gives me a better understanding of why bent's used on a fairway, where it's bent, uh, where it's bent, where it's used, and and why it's used. Uh, appreciate that, Stevie. Um, no worries. Is there anything else from your world of uh, the golfing greenkeeper that we need to? What's coming up? You obviously did several uh, several interviews down at the Asthma Conference. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've got yeah Colin, great work of Colin Campbell Chemicals. Let's give them a plug because they, yeah, uh, give them a shout out. Nadine they, from Colin Campbell Chemicals. They've been a great supporter of my podcast. Big supporter. And, uh, yeah. I was just going to say big supporter, and they got you down there. That you were down there in their trade show stand, and you were just wrangling people in, come and have a chat. Let's record it. I'm sure you got a, yep. a year's worth of content out of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great fun down there. And uh, to be able to record at the trade show in their booth, uh, Nadeem and I had a bit of a chat, and then we, we nabbed a few people as they were walking past superintendents from around the place. And uh, we got a New Zealander who uh, had come over to Australia to attend the conference as well. So uh, a couple of people I've chatted with uh, that were recorded live there that I'll be putting together and getting that out uh, this week. So uh, looking forward to that one. And, and, you know, like I said, Nadeem's been a great supporter of my podcast and uh, in the industry and, and as having sponsored the podcast and t 
taken me down to Adelaide to be part of it and uh, and to get more more interaction. It's really uh, it's really good to to get that interaction and and conversation going with people from within our industry and get that voice out to more and more people. So yeah, lots been going on and, and certainly trying to to build up the podcast with more interviews to come. So I've got more superintendents across Australia. It's Australia wide is uh, is my focus. So we travel all over the uh, the country and and uh, I've interviewed superintendents from every state in Australia bar one. I've got one left to do and I've got one coming up and that's from the Northern Territory. So it won't be too long and I'll be able to uh, to bring a, a superintendent's interview from the Northern Territory. And it's great to, to get an insight into the different climates, the different regions of Australia, different size golf facilities. Some are very, very small. I spoke to Superintendent Logan Booby at a Parks Golf Club in the central western New South Wales. It's just him and one other. You know, a couple of guys looking after 18 holes of golf. Um, and then you get to the to the bigger facilities around the place of the Royal Perths of the world and the Grangers and, and big teams. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Good now, fun. Mate, question. Um, when, you know, you're you're from the Highlands, the, the western Highlands of New South Wales, cold, um, yeah. not too much further away, I believe, and certainly maybe a bit more south where it's even colder starting to get sand greens when's the sand when are you going to educate the golfing world on the beauty of sand greens is that going to happen well you know what i am not a sand green person i i reckon i can tell you on less than five fingers how many sand green golf courses i've played on well, I've never played on. I've played on no, you know, two things. N- none. Okay, so. so that's why I'm intrigued. Yeah, like I said, you ever played in the sand green? I said no. Uh, it's it's interesting. Is... I haven't done it in the last twenty years, to be fair. So, uh, I, can I educate people on on sand greens? I, I could certainly talk to people who are looking after golf courses that have them on them. So maybe that's uh, well, that's the way that I'll go down that well, path. I'm sure, there's no other other aspects of challenges. Of, you know, obviously, sand greens to me says climate water and just the whole infrastructure of making that putting surface become uh, a playable consistent surface uh, i'm yep. sure they've got other challenges in making their golf course playable for the the locals in the communities that you know those golf courses represent um, i'm sure the sand the sand green superintendents of the australia would appreciate a visit from the golfing we, we might get the sand greens on we might get some some in, interest maybe, insight you could, into maybe, that. maybe you could drive down to where they are in um southern new south wales there i'm not exactly sure exactly where is it west wyalong now they've got grass greens anyway yeah they've way. probably got but there, there, there are a few in uh, even out just the central west there's there's still plenty out there maybe i'll so, come up you can come down and you, you can yeah, we, we, who knows Hey, um, we'll find somewhere midpoint. Hey, hey we've, let's finish this up. Uh, we've got. Uh, I mentioned the British Masters. We'll, we'll come back to that in a sec. Um, we've got a PGA Tour event, uh, which is not one of the big ones. The field is okay-ish. Um, it's the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, it's played at Detroit Golf Club. The Detroit Golf Club. It's a. Uh, it's a Donald Ross course uh, originally uh, in its original iteration. Uh, okay. t- Tony Finau was the 2022 Rocket Mortgage Classic winner. It was his second victory uh, in as many weeks at that time. Uh, he's one of 11 players in the field that's won on tour this season. Some of those other players that have won on tour that are playing in the Rocket Mortgage Classic, uh, Keegan Bradley, um, Nico Echeverria, Tony Fino, Mark Hardy, Max Homer, Tom Kim, Chris Kirk, uh, the whole history, uh, Adam Svensson, um, and uh, Matt Wallace. I don't know too much more about uh, Detroit Golf Club or the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Colin Morikawa's playing. He's been oh, trying to find a bit could be form. interesting. And Justin Thomas is also playing. Now, the interesting thing about Justin Thomas, you know, you would usually think Justin Thomas, one of the top absolute upper end, pointy end of the uh, world's golfers. He's uh, number 66 in the FedEx Cup standings. Now, it's getting to the pointy end of the FedEx Cup season where the top 70 qualify. Uh, so he's number 66. So he's playing. He's He'd be looking for a strong result is um justin thomas i would suggest you got a tip you got a tip oh i, I, I got a tip I, I, you know what i'm looking to see morikawa come back with a bit of form i think this is the type of event that that would probably get him in the right stead looking in towards this he got okay. he got an exemption in the open yeah well, as a previous winner yeah 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 yeah. so i i'd like to see a bit of form from morikawa okay at detroit and and yeah I, i've just seen a little bit of uh, news from detroit actually they've just had a storm sweep through and, and make a bit of a meal of the golf course with the trees and lots of trees coming down and mm-hmm. things like that so they've been working overtime deluxe so a shout out to the uh, to the ground staff there they have been doing a massive cleanup because there was uh yeah pretty big storms that just went through there the last couple of days so um they'll get it ready for the tournament as they always do they've, they've got a lot of uh people on deck to to do that sort of stuff but it might be uh again they did have a bit of rain from that too so it might be a little bit softer 
7,300 yard par 72. Let's see uh, what happens in that. Um, and good luck to them all getting getting it ready. It's no good when uh, the course gets yeah, a bit of damage like an that. extra challenge. Extra challenge. Now, get your tips in. And also the tips of fam, uh, you've got a day. If you, you're waiting for this uh, to come out, you've got a day to um, get your tips in. So don't delay. I'm going to go with the the young man who needs a result. He's playing for something. He's, he's needs to find something. Justin Thomas. I'll go with Justin Thomas as the winner. It might throw up a, a curveball, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Justin Thomas. I think I've got him available uh, to pick in the Teepster world. There you go. Uh, as I said, we've got the British Masters this week. Now, the Live Tournament goes up directly against the DP World Tour uh, event. Um, it's... N- one of the, it's not obviously not a major of the British Masters, but it's it's one of the Great Britain's DP World Tour, uh, you know, more prestigious events. You could say um, a lot of people would, you know, thought it was a bit of a dirty move of live, you know, putting their schedule in in the put it up, up against to the, to the Open p- to put it up against the British Masters. We can't change that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll be watching some of it. I'm I'm interested to see the Belfry. It's another one that you can play on the simulator. Uh, the Brabazon course. Thorburn Olsen is the defending champion, but live golf returns to Europe uh, it's going to be really interesting to see that tournament in Spain Espanol yeah now Valderrama um, if you listen to Tom from Flushing it now Tom as you know he was on the podcast a few weeks ago when the news of live PGA Tour PIF um, that whole merger scenario broke He's, he started putting his own podcast out and that's when he interviewed as I said previously to someone else on the podcast when he interviewed and showed that there was a face behind this Twitter account and um that's when I wanted to talk to him about that. Uh, he's got three or four podcasts out there now with um, the people that he's been able to interview. So check that out. Um, but one of the people that he interviewed, and I just caught the snippet of it, not the whole podcast, was the general manager of Valderrama. And basically, yeah, right. basically says, you know, this tournament relies on us getting big names. And, you know, it was never quite ever firmed up whether John Rahm's going to come back and play or whether not. And, you know, the sponsors were you know, look like they wanted some commitment that they were going to have the field, so they would pour in the sponsorship money. Um, ultimately, it led Valderrama to make the decision to partner with Live Golf um, as their leading golf event partner, you could say, uh, which yep. was very interesting. You know, it's obviously a very, very well-known course. It's a, I think it's a Trent Jones design. It's a, it is, yes. It's an interesting course. It throws up a lot of conjecture in the uh, discussions around golf course gurus. It is well inside the top 100 global golf courses and one that everyone... Yeah, I think wants. it's 37 or something yeah. in the 30s. Hmm. So one, it's one that everyone... Um, you know, that wants to go to that part of the world and play golf, you know, there's heaps of resort golf in Spain, um, you know, especially for the Brits, you know, they just fly down there. It's like they're going to uh, Rich River, you know, they go, they go down to the, yeah. the Spanish coast there and play those resorts for fun. Um, Valderrama is a bit different. Uh, you did some research on Valderrama. Uh, I did, I did. I, um, uh, well, look, I, I didn't really know. I don't know Spain. I don't know Europe very well. So it was interesting to uh, to do that. But it's, it basically, it's it's in southern Spain. It's down near the Strait of Gibraltar. It's right near Gibraltar. And there's there's like you mentioned before, it's a, it's a, obviously a highly visited holiday region. I take it. Lots of golf resorts around that area. So I was having a bit of a look around on Google Earth, which I love to do. And I, I saw quite, saw quite a few courses on there. So yeah, like you said, a Robert Trent Jones Senior Design. It was done back in '75 in its previous iteration, and when it was called Las Aves, I believe is how you pronounce that. So then in 85, it became the real club Valderrama. Um, it's a previous host of, of the of the Ryder Cup back in 1997. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's, as you mentioned before, it's one of those golf courses that everyone knows and they love and enjoy. I see it probably more typically as a bit more of an American style golf course that we're going to see that type of golf coming out of it. So um, the the surfaces that they're playing on, their the, the cool season grasses on their greens and surrounds. So their greens and collars um, with bent grass greens and rye grass collars. And uh, the fairways are cooch grass. So it's what we saw in Live Adelaide. So their warm season, it's summer in Spain. So I've had a look at the weather. It's going to be low 30s. It's going to be pretty warm. Um, you know, you're going to see 
the the players dealing with heat as they get around the golf course and and the, they're going to be watering the greens because it's summertime and they're cool season grasses the greens will probably be quite receptive um they'll be having to keep the water up as much as they'll make them sort of firmish and smooth to putt on i think you'll see a lot of balls and the greens being quite receptive to shots they'll probably be playing a little bit more target golf i would think at these pins um so expect to see that cooch fairways you're going to see some long drives and we know there's some big hitters out there in the live stuff so and, and some solid uh, it's going to be thick rough it's cooch over same with ryegrass so it's going to be pretty long um, having watched the, the DP World Tour there in the past, you know, like it's, it is going to be interesting to see these long bombers play because it's a twisty, you know, tight, twisty turny, and they've got these cork trees all over the place, which is interesting. Mm. And, and some of those trees are placed right in the middle of the fairway. I can't remember the whole It's quite like, treed as a golf course. Fourth hole. And I think that's the challenge that makes it quite difficult. So it will be interesting to see some of these long smashes out there. Uh, trying to manoeuvre their way around the cork trees. Um, as you said, target golf are small greens. So yeah. you know, their, their approach yeah. game is going to have to be um, in check, You know, going to suit the ball strikers really well. Uh, in terms of the teams, oh, I, I, I don't know who. Um, you know, you'd have to basically stick with probably Smith is the form golfer in that in that lot of players, You know, getting prepped for his open defence. Again, we keep talking about players getting set for, you know, the uh, the last big major of the year, the last major of the year as well. Certainly, from my in my perspective, I love the Open yep. the best. So I call it the biggest. Um, yep, yep. So I'd have to think that Cam Smith is going to be at the top end. I think you're going to have to see Brooks at the top end of that field. Obviously, got two Spanish teams, so they're going to be very well followed. I think the ticket sales have been quite strong for the event. Um, so it's going to see uh, we've got the Spanish teams of Fireballs and uh, the other one is, I think it's uh, Torque. So we've got the uh, Torque's got Wahin Neiman, Sebastian Munoz, Mito Pereira and David Pooch. And I love your pronunciations. Keep going, Ross. <laughs> uh, the, Fireballs, <laughs> the Fireballs have got Sergio Garcia, Abraham Ansa, Carlos Ortiz and uh, Eugenio uh, Cachara. So um, they're going to have a, uh, a huge following out there. So I can't wait to see. Uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 I think it's going to be great to watch. And we got Blakey over there. Blakey, uh, Australia's greatest um, tournament you know, referee uh, in that sub forty year old category. Um, well, most <laughs> of the referees are over forty. You know, Blakey's the one yeah. shining the banner in the sub forty category globally. A uh, lot of um, lot of discussion around. Uh, see the actually talking about the, the rules. Um, I think the PGA Tour have come out, or the, no, sorry, the USGA have come out and said that maybe Rory's drop on um, wherever he dropped, where he plugged in the face of the bunker at the US Open was taken from an incorrect spot, which which I questioned oh, about. There you go. Was, did he, they line the points up because it was in the face of a bunker, which he got relief yep. from embedded ball. Um, yep. Anyway, um, we digress. Triangulate the position and use Pythagoras, and you'll try and work out where to drop it. Uh, it's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, Taylor, in terms of the live golf individual player rankings, uh, Taylor Goots is still on top. Brandon Grace, Brooks Kepka, Cameron Smith, Peter Ewan, and um, uh, Harold Varner the third is the uh, they're the top six. Um, anyway, yep. I don't uh, be interesting to watch. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I think I think you're going to see uh, Cam. I think Cam's short game. I think he'd be just targeting those flags, and I think it'll give him a, an ability to do so. And but I I still it's hard to get away from Brooks. He's just playing such good golf at the moment. Um, I think he's all he's he's certainly firing well, and he seems to be the traveling around. He hasn't he hasn't uh, it hasn't challenged him as much as I might have thought with some of the golfers. He's really uh, he's really performing well. Doesn't matter where he is. So uh, on the planet and I, um, I like I said that American style golf course softer greens I, I think Brooks is going to be a challenge for sure well let's uh, see how that all pans out and of course I didn't want to underplay the British Masters you know for those that like to stay up and watch that it's also the Brabazon course is a uh, Ryder Cup course as well so on the same weekend we've got two golf courses that have featured in dramatic Ryder Cup events in the history of the Ryder Cup, one of the greatest golf tournaments that still um, still will get on, um, still is coming up this year at uh, Marco Simone in uh, Rome. So uh, two Ryder Cup tournaments, Ryder Cup golf courses being played this week. Um, check them out. Now, uh, just in winding up, Stevie, I know you've got to get back out there and, and get to work. Um, <laughs> the 
the talking about live golf and the PIF um, and PGA Tour alignment, the if you jump online, you can see the documents that have been released from the agreement, which, which was signed on May 30. They've been released. I think I had a skim through those documents and the summaries that are available that you can read online. Uh, there's nothing in there that we didn't already know, uh, but a couple of things that have come to light is that they will agree to work towards this OG, OWGR position and seeing mm. how that the live golfers can be brought into that OGR, OWGR position. Sorry. Um, so I think the, sign, the, the, the wording was the parties will cooperate in good faith and use best efforts to secure OWGR recognition for live events and players under OWGR's criteria for considering lives pending application. And there was also a line how they would work together to bring the live players back into that PGA Tour fold. Uh, tour fold. Um, I don't think it sounds like it's just going to be walked straight back in, uh, but they'll work towards that. And um, I think everything else is as we've all discussed numerous times, but you know, you can look not too far into the interweb and find that signed agreement being publicised now. I think it was probably only, like you said before, we probably thought those things were coming. It was only a matter of when, when they were going to announce them, I guess. Yeah, but it continues to be a, a point of discussion. Obviously, the US uh, Senate have um, sub permanent subcommittee have uh, got their investigations on. I don't know what that looks like or means. Uh, I can't comment on that, but obviously it's raised the uh, ire of some of the big wigs at the uh, upper end of the uh, White House and all points in between. So uh, it continues to go on. But right now we've got live this weekend of Valderrama and the the uh, Betfred British Masters and the Rocket Mortgage. Lots of golf on, mate. There's just lots of great golf on. Great venues. Well, it's a pointy end. It's a pointy end of the year. The next women's tournament is the US Open for them. Uh, I think next weekend, so they've got a break this weekend. In the LPGA. Good time. Good time to be talking about and looking at golf and also talking about the grass and the turf management of our golf courses, Stevie, which you've helped us with uh, no end today. Indeed. I hope it's been a little bit more insightful for everyone. Steve, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I'll let you get back out there to work and um, we'll crack on with the day, <laughs> eh? The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much, Roscoe, for the invitation. Great to be on the pod. Where does everyone check you out at? Uh, the Golfing Greenkeeper on Instagram is uh, is at the Golfing Greenkeeper, and that's a handle that's used on Facebook. Uh, there's a little bit on Twitter, but mostly Instagram and Facebook are the uh, the places. And of course, the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. That was that was read like a true podcast legend. You know. <laughs> hey, Stevie, thanks very much. And thank you to uh, all of you listening, uh, tuning in week in, week out. Really do appreciate your support. And as I say, like, share, subscribe. All of that stuff helps this Dan uh, podcast get into the ears of as many people around the world and around Australia as possible. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you. Uh, I've got another special guest uh, interview lined up this week, and uh, we'll try and get that done and get that out. So stay tuned. There's more interviews coming. We'll see you soon.